Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. And together, Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find no no fault at all. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth. Thank you for this account of Christ. Thank you for giving us the truth and letting us know what truth is. And here Pilate asks a great question, what is truth? And it seems like in our world today that truth is under attack. Uh, Truth has fallen in the streets and People don't even seem to know what it is, and those that know what the truth is don't seem to fight for it. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us insight and wisdom today, that you'd help us to see the truth of salvation, that you'd help us to see where truth comes from and what truth is, so that we can spread it to the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. This is a familiar passage of Scripture for those that have been coming to church for a long time. A few years ago, I preached a message out of this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction this morning. Some things I'll say the same as I did a few years ago, just because they're relevant and they're true, uh, and we need to hear them again. And then I'll, I'll say some other things and go a little bit of a different direction. But here, Pilate asked Jesus the question, what is truth? Uh, It seems like a lot of people in our world today don't know what the truth is. Uh, There's a lot of debate about what is truth. Last Sunday night, I preached a message, a different kind of message, entitled The False God of Fake Science. And the Bible warns us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 about science falsely so-called. And the basic gist of the message was this, we believe in science but we also believe there's something called fake science. There are things today that are called science that aren't science at all. And in today's climate, it seems like that if the world just slaps the label science on anything, that you're no longer allowed to question it. Well, this is science. And if you question it, they're like, well, you don't believe in science. No, we just don't believe in fake science. I don't believe that you can slap science, the label science, on an opinion and just tell everybody to be quiet. And we talked about the difference between real science, true science, and false science, and how Satan uses fake science to control people, and a little bit what we should do about that. Now, I I said all that to say, and by the way, you can go online and listen to that if you like. Uh, It's on our website, and the videos are are on the, the normal places. I said all that to say that the real thing we need to focus on is the truth. The truth. And true science, as I told us last week, simply investigates the world as God created it, trying to learn the truth. 
But what is truth? Think about that. I mean, what is truth? And here in the portion of Scripture we read, just by way of introduction, Jesus was brought before the Sanhedrin for judgment. This was the civil and religious governing body of Israel. And he was brought before them for judgment. They wanted him to die. But since Israel was under Roman rule at the time, the Jews could not sentence anybody to death. They had to take the case to the Romans, and then the Roman council of the area would uh, say, yes, they can die, and basically give them permission to, to kill him, or the Romans would kill him for them. And so they brought Jesus, the Sanhedrin brought Jesus to Pilate. They wanted him to die. A Pilate met with Jesus a few times and couldn't find anything wrong with him. And by the way, if you had truly examine Jesus Christ, you'll come to the same conclusion. There's no fault in him. Uh, many people have been saved over the centuries, and some have written books about it, about how they were skeptics and actually started out to write books or investigate and research to prove that Jesus Christ was a fake, a phony, and Christianity is a scam. And yet those very people have ended up getting born again. Because when you look at the facts and you understand just logic and reason will lead you to God if you have the correct facts. And of course, we have to make that final step of faith, putting our faith in him for salvation. But it's not a blind faith. It's very reasoned and logical faith uh, to put in Christ once we have the, the truth. Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus. He didn't want to, to, to have him put to death. But at the same time, he didn't want any problems. He was a, he was a politician and he didn't want any problems. He didn't want to kill Jesus, but he didn't want any problems with the Jews. And he was actually going to let Jesus go until the Jews accused him of betraying Caesar uh, and said, this man claimed to be a king. And if you don't punish him, then you're betraying Caesar, who is our king. And Caesar certainly didn't want any, excuse me, uh, Pilate certainly didn't want any problems with Rome. Rome was vicious and swift in their judgments. Uh, and so to save his own hide and to appease the people, uh, he committed Jesus to be crucified. And of course, we know ultimately that was the plan of God, that Jesus had come to earth to die. He was born to die so that we might live. But during their interaction, when Jesus is talking to Pilate, Jesus said something that shook Pilate to his absolute core. And Pilate couldn't get away from it. Look at verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the what? The truth. And every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? I personally don't believe, if you study the interactions here, I don't believe this is just kind of an apathetic question about Pilate. Well, what is truth? I think that Pilate here is caught in a pickle. And he's, he, he doesn't want to condemn a righteous man. He's got the Jews crying, crucify him. He's got Caesar on the other hand. He certainly doesn't want to 
to, to have an accusation to roam against him, and he's kind of caught in the middle. And here's this man speaking in such a way that, that, that this man was doing things inside of Pilate that Pilate had never experienced. His words carried such power that Pilate had never heard. His heart was doing things that, that he didn't understand. And Jesus said, everyone that is of the truth, heareth my words. And Pilate cries out, what is truth? What is truth? You're talking to me about the truth. What is the truth? He didn't know what the truth was. And I think there's an exclamation on our world today as the world is burning literally and figuratively. Mountains are burning and cities are burning and people have never been more divided than they are today. And I think that one side says this is the truth and the other side says this is the truth and, and, and one religion says this is the truth and the other religion says this is the truth. And I think there's an awful lot of people in the world today saying what is the truth? They're confused. And this is the burning question of the hour. What is truth. We see this discussion rage today from the bar stool to the college classroom. What's right? What's wrong? Who's right? Who's wrong? Some claim that there is one truth to which all are accountable and by which all will be judged. You can put me in that category, by the way. Christians believe that there is one truth to which all are accountable and by which all will be judged. Others claim that there is no universal truth. That they claim that each individual has a personal truth that is true for them. And this personal truth means they are not accountable to anybody else's personal truth. Basically, in that world, you become a God yourself, and there is no right, and there's no wrong. It's the obvious result of humanism, where man is his own God. I have my truth. Have you ever heard someone say, well, that may be your truth, but that's not my truth? And the first time you heard someone say that, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, you just kind of scratch your head. It's like... Do you realize what that sounds like? Do you understand that that makes no sense? But now we hear it more and more often. And this situational ethics, this situational truth, that truth is relative. And everybody can have their own truth. Some even believe that feelings are more important than facts. And that if you don't like a fact... The simple fact that you have an adverse feeling to a truth or a fact or reality somehow means that that reality can't be true because I don't want it to be. But wouldn't that be convenient? How many of you would like to look at your bank account and say, man, I'm broke, but I'm really not broke because th that's the bank's truth. This isn't my truth. My truth is I've still got a checkbook full of checks and I can still write them. And that works for a while. You've still got your credit card. You can still swipe it. See, there's no area in life where that passes muster 
except when it comes to the ultimate truth, somehow people give that a pass. And we've got to be careful. What is the truth? Does 2 plus 2 equal 4? Or does the answer depend on your worldview? What's the truth? You'd be surprised how many people believe that the answer to that math equation is relative. And there's some that would say, well, 2 plus 2 is 4, but they will take some, some truth or some fact or some reality that is just as real as that, and they will deny the facts in, in order to espouse their own personal truth or what they believe. I got a call recently, and we get calls like this occasionally here at the church, and I, uh, they called in the evening and nobody was here. And I'm listening to the messages the next day, and Someone calls, and I can tell when they, when they start talking, they're kind of huffy. You know, you can just tell that somebody's kind of upset. And here's a guy, I just need to let you know that I just came out of Target in Warwick, and I am so upset that someone left one of your pamphlets on my car. And there's a pamphlet on my car. And I have my own I know you have your religion, but I have my religion, and you have your truth, and, and I have my truth, and I have my own personal beliefs, and it's offensive to me that someone put this on my car, and I'm just sitting here like, <coughs> <laughs> and I, I know you, you say you shouldn't, but I, I couldn't help it. But his big thing was, I have my own personal truth. How dare you share your personal truth? No, we're sharing God's truth. There's a big difference, isn't there? And my thought was, I'm literally listening to that, and I told God, thank you that someone's obeying the Great Commission. Praise God that somebody cared enough about this man's soul to put a pamphlet on their car. But a lot of people feel that way. You ever talk to somebody witnessing, and they're like, well, I have, I have my own beliefs. I'm sorry, but if your beliefs aren't right, then wouldn't you want to know that? You know, what if you just believe that you could walk off a cliff and somehow gravity is not going to work for you? I just don't believe in gravity. Well, gravity is going to get you because it's a fact. And we have to understand that there are certain truths in the world today that God has given us that apply to everybody, and there is something as an absolute truth. But here's the question. Is truth relative? Is truth changeable? Is truth universal or personal? Uh, what is truth? And let me just dive in today and give you some thoughts from the Scripture. Uh, first thing I always do when I want to know what a word means is I go to the dictionary. My mom used to say, I'd be in school and I'd have homework. I'd say, Mom, what does this word mean? She'd say, go get the dictionary. I still hear in my mind, Mom, how do you spell this? Go get the dictionary. And so first thing I do when I want to know what a word means is I go to the dictionary. And I have the Webster's 1828 dictionary that you hear me talk about often. And I looked up the word truth. Truth means conformity to fact or reality. Watch this. Exact accordance with that which is or has been or shall be. There's really no wiggle room with the truth. Truth is exacting. 
Truth is conformity to fact or reality. So there can only be one truth. If, if we all are affected by the same fact, it's a fact for you, and it's a fact for me, and it's a fact for you, and it's a fact for you. Now, you might look at the fact differently. You might try to apply the fact differently. But the fact is the fact. Facts don't change. You hear a lot in the news today, people call spin. Well, they're spinning the news. What does that mean? What that means is they will take a fact, something that's true, and they will try to make it sound differently than it really is. And you see that a lot in our world today. Used to, uh, many years ago, when you watched the news, they would just tell you what happened. They would say there are fires burning in California. Now they'll say there's fires burning because of Donald Trump. Or there's fires burning because of climate change. Or there's fires burning because there's always an angle. Now they'll say, yes, this happened, but here's why. And it's really their fault. And they spin the truth. The fact is, this happened. That's the fact. Facts don't change, regardless of how people try to spin them. Some people try to spin the truth of God. And corrupt it. But we are not of those who corrupt the word of God. We're of those who just want to know what God said and how to apply it. Now, if I were to ask you what the opposite of truth is, what would you say? Lies. More specifically, error. If truth is a conformity to reality, error in Webster's 1820 Dictionary, means a wandering or deviation from the truth. It's when men believe what is not true. He goes on to say error can be voluntary or involuntary. Some people are wrong and they don't know it. Some people spread error and that becomes a lie, right? They are voluntarily spreading error. And the opposite of error is the truth. So we only have two choices. Something has to be truth or it has to be error. There's no gray area. And what we believe and and what I present to you today is that God has given us the truth. And if someone tells you something different from what God said, it must be error. They can't both be true. Here's another thought from our text. Jesus explained to Pilate that he came to bear witness of the truth. This is one of the things he said that really caught Pilate off guard. I came to bear witness of the truth. What does that mean? It means that he came to show people what the truth is. Look at John chapter 1. We we might come back here to John chapter 18, but let's look at John chapter 1. And look at verse 1. In the beginning was the what? Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was who? God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by who? 
Him. Now, wait a minute. This means that the Word is a person. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, the Word was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. This is talking here about Jesus Christ, isn't it? Now let's read on. Verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that's Christ, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So here we find the the same kind of phraseology, to bear witness. What was John's function? He was to point people to Jesus. And he said, this is the, the, the lamb which was slain before the foundation of the world. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ in the spirit of Elias, who pointed people to Jesus. Now Jesus came to bear witness of the truth. So Christ was here to point people to the truth. What is truth? Well, look to Jesus and he will show you what the truth is. Even more than that, Jesus Christ was the truth in flesh. Look at John chapter 1 and verse 9. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. He came to the Jews first, didn't he? And they rejected him and cried, Crucify him, crucify him. But here's the good news of the gospel, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name, which were born not of Blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This new birth is a supernatural birth. You don't get it by a bloodline. You don't get it because you want it bad enough or because you accomplish some work. You get it as a supernatural act of God. And you get it by receiving Christ and believing on His name. Then look at verse 14. And the word, so this is, wait, this is the same word. This is the same word from the beginning that said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So now that same word is made flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. You got something? Talking about the truth. Man stopped car while we were outside and was upset. The kids were out without masks on, said he was calling the police. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time we were able to be here. And we're not done yet. We just ask that you would uh, be with this person who stopped, be with these people who are so upset and scared, they really have no anchor. And we pray that you would be with us as we continue our service in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, Brother Pastor, why don't you go back and see if there's any issue. And so the same word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And watch this, verse 14. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and 
truth. So this is Christ in the flesh. And Christ is the Word of God. And He was full of grace and truth. Look at verse 17, John 1, 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So wait a minute, now we begin to see, what does He mean here? That He came to bear witness of the truth. Jesus came to point people to the truth. And more than that, He was the truth incarnate. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. And so we see that Jesus Christ is the truth, and he was pointing people to the truth. Now let, let me give you one other thought here. He also said in John chapter 18 and verse 37, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Think about that. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Why weren't the Jews listening? They weren't of the truth. Why wasn't Pilate listening? They weren't of the truth. But he that is of the truth heareth the voice of Christ. What does that mean? Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12. Look at these great verses. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the perfect possession unto the praise of his glory. And so here he's talking about trusting in Christ. And when we're trusting Christ, he's talking about that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So what is truth? The gospel is truth. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the truth. And we encourage you today, if you've never been born again, today's a wonderful day to be saved. It's a wonderful day to trust Jesus. Born-again believers in Jesus Christ are people of the truth. Look back at John chapter 10. And look at verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. So here he's got the same thought. The people of the truth hear the voice. The people who are not of the truth don't hear the voice. Jesus saying here, you don't hear me because you're not of my people. But then he goes on to say in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And so here, once again, uh, once we get saved, once we're born again, we have an ear for the truth. We have a desire for God's truth, and we want to follow the direction of the Savior. And I want you to think back. Before you were saved, you couldn't care less what was going on inside the church house. You'd drive past churches and you'd mock people perhaps for even going. Look at those people. It's a beautiful day out and they're going to church. But now you're one of those weirdos, right? We're here in church because we care about what God said. We care about what the Word says. We want to know the truth. And, and honestly, a lot of times the truth hurts. 
How many times in my life has God told me things that I didn't necessarily want to hear? And He's encouraged me to change things that I didn't want to change. But God was good and helped us through it all. Now look at 1 John chapter 5. Believers have accepted the truth and want to know the truth. They have an ear for the truth. But here's a sad fact. Unbelievers often reject God's truth. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Look at verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. So we believe men about things all the time. Why don't we believe God? Shouldn't God get the benefit of the doubt? I mean, if we're going to believe men, shouldn't we believe God? He says, for this is the witness of God, which hath testified of his son. Verse 10, he that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he hath not believed, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. So here's the truth. If you want to know the truth and you believe in Christ, man, you've you've got insight. Now you have a desire. But there are some people that they would rather call God a liar and believe their own thoughts than to accept the witness of God. Have you ever been wrong? I think all of us could say we've been wrong. If you men think you've never been wrong, all I got to do is ask your wife. Amen. She'll she'll remind you of a few things. We've we've all been wrong. And here's one thing we'll say to an atheist. You're sure there's no God? Man, there is no God. I'm 100% sure. Have you ever been wrong? Well, yeah. But you're sure you're right about this? Oh, I'm sure I'm right about this. Then we'll say something like, so if you take all the knowledge in the universe, everything there is to know, what percentage do you think you personally know of all the knowledge that's available in the universe? That's a big question. I don't know, what's 1%, 1% or maybe half a percent, everything there is to know. Okay, let's say you know 10% of everything that's available to know in the universe. Well, I don't know that much. Well, okay, let's just say you did. You're sure that there's no God. That's one thing that you know that you have right. Out of everything there is to know that you don't know, you're sure about this. And you'll actually have some people say yes. Not because they're really sure, but because they have decided they don't want to live in a world where they're accountable to God. That's why I often tell you agnostics are more honest than atheists. If someone says, I'm not sure if there's a God, that's an honest statement we can work with. But if someone declares definitively that they know, 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 that they know know there's no God, that, my friend, is a statement of faith. It's a religion. Now, there's one truth. 
It's God's truth. It's found in Jesus Christ. And when you trust Jesus Christ, all the other truths open up to you. Let's look at the last verse here, or last few verses. Verse 11, and this is the record that God hath given to to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's pretty simple, isn't it? What do I got to do to be saved? Have the Son. What do I got to do to be lost? You don't have the Son. That's what God said. I don't believe that. Then you're calling God a liar. Well, I'm not calling God a liar. I just, you just said he was wrong. That's the whole point of this scripture. You either agree with God, believe the record that God gave of his son. That word record, by the way, is a legal term. This is the official on the record statement of the father that Jesus Christ is eternal life. And you either believe that or you say, no, I don't believe God's right. Let's look back at verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Folks, make sure you trust Christ today. If you've trusted Christ, then you have a world of truth open to you because you're, you believe that there's one truth. If you come back tonight, I'm going to teach you the eight tenets of God's truth. What do we know about God's truth? There's eight things the Bible says about God's truth that everybody should know, and how God's truth applies to everyone in every age without exception. Truth isn't relative. It's absolute, and it comes from God, and we'll learn more about it this evening. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to come to church this morning. We pray that you'd give us a, an understanding Lord, give us insight. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to spread the truth of God. Lord, if, if people will not believe the one truth about Jesus Christ, then they're going to lose so much of what is truth. But Lord, help us to teach people about Jesus, help people to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again, and that they can find peace and joy in believing. Our heads about our eyes are closed. Would you take a moment? In just a moment, the piano is going to play, but would you think about this? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has there been a time in your life when you've said, right now, today, I'm trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know that He died on the cross for me, was buried and rose again. I acknowledge there's no other way to heaven. Whatever I used to believe before this, Today, I'm changing my mind and acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the way to God. He's the Savior. And I'm putting all my faith and trust in Him to take me to heaven like He said He would. Today's a beautiful day to get saved. If you've never been saved, or if you've already been saved, then would you take a moment to thank God for it? Let's stand as the piano plays. The altar's open.